We all know that patients and physicians are an integral part of the doctor-patient relationship, yet this partnership isn't always as balanced as one would hope. Are there simple rules we can encourage our patients to follow toward making a positive impact on this relationship? One primary care physician shares his insights on helping doctors and patients build a stronger rapport. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Rob Lamberts, board-certified internist and pediatrician and author of a popular blog called Musings of a Distractible Mind. Welcome, Dr. Lamberts. Thank you, Jennifer. Now, why is it that you decided that patients need to have a set of rules to follow? Any relationship is two-sided, and while I know in some ways I was kind of throwing a slow pitch through the center of the plate where I knew the patients out there, which is the majority of people, which is really everybody, would latch onto the idea that doctors need to change in their relationship. Being a physician, I know that there are some patients that I get along with a lot better than others and that there are some things that patients can do. And I kind of braced myself on this one because I knew that, you know, once I took the focus off of other people and to the readers and said, okay, now here is your responsibilities and what patients sometimes do wrong, that to me is the reason I knew that it wouldn't be quite as popular or at least I would take some more heat for that. And I did. (laughs) Well, let's talk about rule number one. Your doctor can't do it alone. Yeah, I think a lot of times people will come in and not expect You know, you see this with diabetics, you see this people with chronic disease, that they don't really feel a sense of personal responsibility that they've got to go out and actually do it. And really, a very small percentage of a patient's success depends on me. I kind of look at it like I'm the director, the conductor of an orchestra, and they're the orchestra. Well, nobody comes to hear the conductor. It's all about the orchestra and how well they play. And so I give the tools and I give directions to the patients. But if they don't follow that direction, it's kind of useless. And there are times where you kind of scratch your head and say, why do they keep coming in? (laughs) Because every time they come in, it's just the same thing again and again. You know, there is a reason for it. I'll take the pay regardless, but sometimes it's mystifying as to why people actually are coming to you if they are not willing to follow your plan. Mm -hmm. So remember, you're part of the team and patients need to uphold their end of the bargain. What about rule number two, which is be honest? I think there's a lot of sides to this, but the main thing is that I think it comes off of the idea that patients are embarrassed about certain symptoms and that they don't really want to say what's really going on, and they're afraid of what the doctor is going to think. But the truth is, That's really irrelevant in the exam room. Your goal is to deal with the situation and have as many facts as you can. And, you know, our job as clinicians is to dig that information out of them if they don't give it through good questions. But, you know, if you don't have all the information, it's often hard to come to an accurate conclusion. And it's good if the doctor is non-judgmental and can say, look, I've seen everything you can tell me. Yeah, I think some doctors are better at giving that atmosphere of the exam room than others, and I think those are the ones who are more successful, that if the patient is very comfortable in saying very personal things or talking about things that they're kind of embarrassed about, it's more likely that the doctor's going to be able to come to an accurate diagnosis. 
Your rule number three kind of surprised me. It's your doctor doesn't play favorites. Now, it never would have crossed my mind that a patient would think that. How did this idea come up? Part of it is because I take care of other doctors and their families, and I take care of friends. And, you know, I think there are people in the practice who kind of want special treatment. This is not the majority of people, but there are a segment that just, you know, my office, actually, the staff has what's called the Rob Rule. And the Rob Rule is that anybody who calls up and asks for Rob instead of Dr. Lambert's is probably not really my friend. <laughs> They're just trying to sound like it and trying to get special treatment. Well, I don't give anybody special treatment. You know, my system, the way that I do things best is by doing everything the same again and again and again and again. And that takes the emotion out of it. That takes my variability out of it. And it gives me a track to follow. And the, oh, by the way, you know, in the hallway saying, well, I want to ask you a question. You know, I'm okay with fielding that, but I'm going to force even my doctor friends a lot of times to come in and, and get seen. And, and again, you get... I had one clinician of sort that was just furious. Do you know who I am? He said to one of my my nurses, <laughs> and the answer is, Dr. Lambert does know who you are, but you still do need to come in for your appointment. That person actually left my practice because I wouldn't play favorites, and you get called on by various patients to do that. And rule number four is don't mess with the staff. What's up with this one? My staff is great. My staff is wonderful. They are hardworking. They make mistakes. But any office will tell you that our staff is key to getting things done. And there are two reasons why people can get discharged from my practice. One is to be a drug seeker and abuse it, get prescriptions from another doctor for narcotics while they're getting them from me. I'll discharge you from the practice immediately. That completely breaks the trust. And the second is if you abuse my staff. My staff is more important to me than a single patient. Now, if there are problems, and it amazes me how poorly people will treat the staff. I mean, they'll go off and cuss and do all this kind of stuff, and then they come back and they're sweet as can be to me. And, you know, I'd rather them cuss at me. <laughs> I'd rather deal with their rants myself. And, I mean, the staff can't do anything a lot of times, and they just view my staff a lot of times as being an obstruction to seeing the doctor, when in reality, they're doing a hard job. Um, they're doing a real hard job most of the time. So I really try as a physician, as a boss at work, which I am, to let my staff know that they're very important because I always feel like my staff will only treat my patients as well as I treat them. So really a lot of this is telling my staff that they're more important than a single patient. I am going to side with my staff most of the time when it's a one-on-one thing because I've seen the body of work from them. And now if it's obvious, of course I won't, but I, I'll, I'll still tend to think that it's an exception to the rule rather than the way that they always do it, which is what the patient will assume. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a fine line when the patient or the customer always comes first, that kind of mentality. But the patient may be frustrated and take it out on the front desk staff and then the nurse, and then by the time they're with you, they've gotten their frustrations out. Right, and it's a team process. The whole job is a team process. Doctors aren't the only ones doing care, and 
you know, the patients sometimes seem to feel that's the case. And again, my staff goes out of their way for our patients most of the time. They tend not to get appreciated when that happens, and they tend to be jumped on when it doesn't. Now, what about rule number five? If you don't trust the doctor, then leave. This might be easier said than done, especially with managed care plans and restrictions. I agree with that. I deal with it a lot of times when patients are, you know, I send them to a specialist and then they come back and say, you know, I just didn't like them. Now, this could be a doctor that every other person I've ever sent somebody to really liked them, but for some reason they just, you know, maybe the doc had a bad day, maybe something else happened. But I always tell them, look, then go somewhere else. Don't put your trust, your health into somebody you're suspicious about. It just undermines everything. And it really is a no-win situation because as a doc, you want the patient to understand that you're trying to do what's best for them. But if they're kind of always looking for things that you're doing wrong, then the chance of a lawsuit goes up. It's not a fertile relationship. And I do have patients sometimes really seem like they're second-guessing. And I say to them, I look at them, I say, look, trust is really the most important thing in this relationship. And I'm not offended. If you don't trust me, I think you you need to go find another doctor. And the patient will say, no, 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 that's not the case. You know, I'm just having a bad day or that type of thing. But, you know, there are some people who I just feel like they ought to just find somebody else. Sometimes it's just not a good fit. Yeah, it's not a good fit. Right, exactly. And finally, your last rule is that no news might be bad news. Explain what you mean by that. This actually probably surprised the readers the most. When I wrote the first post on doctor's rules, some of the commenters were saying, well, I think doctors should always get back to me right away with the results and na 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 Well, they don't really understand what a doctor's office runs like. There are sources of information all over sending you information. You are ordering a whole bunch of tests on people. You have a whole bunch of irons in the fire. And, you know, a lot of times something comes back and you don't see it or it gets put in the wrong chart or you order a test and it never actually comes back and you don't know it. And, you know, this is the biggest cause of liability for docs is tests that you don't follow up on. And it's always helpful for the the patient to understand that you need to call if you don't hear anything. You know, you need to call. And, And this doesn't take the responsibility off of docs. In fact, Our office is very good, actually, getting back to our patients with the results, and what that's done is trained the patients to look for that, and if they don't see it, they're very quick to call, which I'm very grateful for, truthfully. That didn't bother me at all unless they're calling, you know, two hours after the blood test was drawn. It's like, well, you've got to wait till it comes back. But most of the time, it's helpful to have people saying, you know, when did that test result come back? Because as hard as I do try to follow up on things, I'm always afraid that stuff's going to fall through the cracks. Now, after I read your rules, I I tried to come up with a few of my own. And the first one I came up with is that patients should come prepared with a list of what they want to get out of the appointment. And this is particularly true for routine uh, well-child visits and routine health checks for adults, because oftentimes the doctor has a list of things they want to ask you. And by the time they get through that, it's the end of the appointment. And then 
you know, you as a doctor have your hand on the doorknob and the patient says, oh, by the way, I have chest pain or I have whatever. So I encourage patients to get your needs taken care of up front. I agree 100%. It's helpful to have a list because you know as a doc that you're addressing what they're really worried about and really concerned about, and that is to a great extent our goal. I humorously also uh, whenever I see a guy come in with a baby and he's got a list from the, from the wife, I always make sure that I go through each one of them and even sometimes write on that list uh, because, you know, she's afraid he's not going to ask the right question. You know, it's a little bit of a stereotype, but you know what I'm talking about. It's very mm-hmm. true in a pediatric setting where, you know, mom couldn't be there, so dad's there, but mom's worried that he's not going to ask the right questions. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Rob Lamberts. We've been discussing golden rules for patients. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening.